when you're in survival mode and when literally people die around you, it's very hard to have an open heart. And I get that. And when you're not, I think that it's so important. And I think it's the biggest gift that we could give this world. It takes immense courage, truly, to say to your friends and family, I don't agree with you. I stand for what I believe in and I'm going to continue, even if they walk away from you. And I, I don't think that my family will, but I can tell you that a lot of people are not speaking to me right now for a reason. And this happens every time. And I feel very deep loneliness. Welcome to Deep Within. On this show, we dive deep into the nervous system, emotional healing, and transformation from within the body. When I started my personal development journey, it was all in the mind, doing affirmations, visualizations, listening to endless motivational videos. And I found that this approach without actually getting my body on board only left me in deeper shame and distress. So this is actually how I discovered somatic body-based healing. My name is Marina Yanai Triner, and I am the Compassionate Somatic Coach. I'm gentle, sensitive, and I love deep conversations. I'm so, so, so excited and so glad you're here so we can feel like we're together in our own little bubble of deep talks. I was talking to my mom on the phone and she said, why can't you just stop posting things about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict on your stories, like put it somewhere else or talk to friends who will get it. And um, my mom and I have been butting heads about the situation. And I've been butting heads with most of my friends and family. In fact, many of them are not even talking to me. And I actually ended up having a really beautiful conversation with my mom about all of it. And I wanted to share it with you. I am going to use you guys a little bit as my therapy. <laughs> I apologize in advance. But I also was thinking this is going to be a really profound episode. I had a really profound conversation with my mom. And we understood each other just a little bit more. I mean, I totally understand her. I feel like she wasn't really understanding me until now. And, you know, every conflict is really down to your personal life experience at the end of the day. And so I was able to kind of, as I do with my mom, I'm very lucky. I have a mom that gets out of me the essence of who I am in many conversations, which is really lovely. I feel very seen by my mom most of the time. And somehow I was able to distill exactly what I'm feeling right now. So as many of you might know, I am a Jewish Israeli. At least I grew up in Israel part of my life. I don't even know what I am. I don't even know what to call myself. I don't call myself a Jewish Israeli. I don't even know how to answer the question of like, where are you from? I always say, do you want the short story or the long story? Because there's Ukraine and then there's Israel and then there's the U.S. And then there was Israel again and the U.S. again. And now I live in Costa Rica. So it's like, it's crazy. Um, and all of these things have really shaped who I am. And now in this really awful 
profound conflict that is happening that is absolutely disturbing and heartbreaking. I always find myself struggling to have a space for me and for my heart and for how I feel. Because usually when things erupt, then all of my friends and family kind of gather around what's going on in Israel and they focus on that. And I see all of the pain. I see the pain of the Palestinians. I see the pain of the Israelis. And my mom was like, I don't understand. Like, do you value the pain of someone in Gaza the same as you value the pain of someone in Israel? And I said, of course I do. I think it's the same. It's the same thing. It's the same human pain. Do I care more if something happens to a family member of mine? Which, by the way, I have family members that are in danger right now. I have friends that are in danger right now. People that I personally know. So I'm very connected to this. I was in Israel two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I do. I value it the same way. I have more caring, obviously, for my own family and friends. That's very normal. But I see human pain truly as the same. And my mom said... <laughs> that when I was little, my parents tried really, really, really hard to beat that out of me. Like they would always tell me that people are bad, they're not to be trusted, and I have to watch out for my own back, etc. And, you know, that has come from their own life experience, which makes so much sense. And then I was explaining to my mom that one of my biggest traumas when I was in high school was being in a sexually abusive relationship. And for a long time, I was extremely angry at this person. And I kind of blamed all of my life's issues on this person. And I just wanted him dead and all these things. And I realized that the only thing that was doing was making me feel like a victim again and again and again and again. Even though it was over, he was gone, he was, he left, you know? But I still felt like my life will be better when he suffers. And over time, I realized that that really wasn't true and it really wasn't working. And so I realized that what will help me is not really just to forgive him, but to focus on empathy towards myself, compassion and empathy towards myself, and compassion and empathy to see where he was coming from. And that doesn't mean that I agree with his behavior, or I think that it's good. And that doesn't mean that I don't stand up for myself and my needs and how I feel in the situation. What it means is that my emotions, my dominant emotions of rage have passed. I didn't ignore them. I felt them. I connected with them. And then I really truly asked myself, what do you enjoy about being a victim? I actually asked myself that question. And the answer was the empathy and attention that I get from people. And so I decided to give that empathy to myself. And that was one of the moments that sort of melted the need to just constantly be angry and raging all the time. And I was able to start to see where this person 
came from and his traumas and what has led him to do what he did. So for me, that was my healing, you know, and, and I was telling my mom that there's this incredible organization in Israel, which is, I'm going to try to translate it correctly, but it's the Forum for Bereaved Families. And it's basically all these families that have lost someone in the conflict from all sides of the conflict. And there's more than two, just FYI, there's way more than two um, that come together and grieve together and do activism together and, you know, really like share their pain. And my mom was like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about like, oftentimes when parents lose a child, they get closer, right? They support each other. They get closer. Um, they, they just connect more. And oftentimes they don't. Oftentimes they start to hate each other and they end up getting divorced because people just cannot deal with sharing their pain. They cannot deal with being vulnerable and they just sort of separate. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly my point. And so to me in my life experiences, and I just want to say, I understand that not everybody has had the life that I've had. I understand that right now there are people who have lost hundreds of people that they know, you know, personally. And of course, I'm more familiar with the Israeli story and point of view. And that being said, because I'm more familiar with it, I I know I have friends who have lost hundreds of people that they know. And I completely understand that they, right now in this moment, don't have the space to have compassion for all sides. And I really get it because I know that the closer I was to the incidents, to the abuse that I experienced as a teenager, the more hatred I had. And if somebody would have said like, why don't you be compassionate to this guy? <laughs> I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not going to. There's no way. So I get it because it takes time and it's a process and it takes time to grieve and feel and go through all the phases. And that being said, in my life, I was very lucky that as a teenager, I met Palestinians for the first time. And during that time, I actually lived in the States. So I was a little bit removed from the situation. And I was mind blown. Like really, it was such a hard experience because I started hearing stories, narratives, like entire narratives that I've never heard in my life growing up in the south of Israel in a small town that is being, by the way, bombarded the shit out of. And by the way, something fascinating that I thought about today is a lot of Israelis are saying that why doesn't, why don't people in Gaza just leave like they're notified that they should leave their house and their house is going to be bombed and they choose not to and I don't want to like this is not a political episode it's really not I'm not arguing for or against anything here I'm not a politician I'm not making strategic military decisions that is not my role in life that is not my understanding but what I want to say is that my grandmother lives in the south of Israel and her house, her, God forbid her house, but her city is getting majorly evacuated right now. And she refuses to leave. 
So I just think that's really interesting. And our, I mean, it's interesting is a bad word. It's interesting in the context of I also get why people in Gaza refuse to leave and I'm dealing with the same situation in my family. It's not interesting to me. It's heartbreaking to me. And every time I talk to her, I'm like, maybe, maybe you will consider it. And she's like, no, I'm 80 something. I'm old. I like my house. My house is my safe place. And it's more safe than anywhere else, no matter what. And I'm not going to move. So yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. Life Life has been very interesting for me. So anyway, when I was a teenager, my mind was blown. I started hearing these narratives that I've never heard before in my little silo of the south of Israel. And it was painful. Like it was like, holy shit, all of the things that I was taught my entire life may not be true. Like there's not one truth. There's many truths and there are man, many narratives that can happen at the same time. There are many stories that can coexist. Like maybe the things that I learned were true, but also the things that these people are sharing with me are also true. And all of our experiences are existing at the same time. It was really mind-blowing. And, you know, my parents were like, shit, why did we send her on this trip? She came home and she's, you know, a different person with different opinions. And back then when I was a teenager, I kind of like flip-flopped the script. Like I, I was like, okay, I'm only going to believe like the Palestinian narrative, blah, blah, blah. And now as I get older, I understand there's not one narrative. There never is. There's always complexity. There's always multiple human truths and experiences and stories and all of them are existing, even if one of them triggers you and you don't believe it and you're like, you know, this sounds fake and whatever. That group of people is believing it. So that is their truth. So anyway, that's how I see reality now. And I think, I believe, I feel that living with an open heart is about this ability to live with complexity. My mom told me the other day that Putin, who she can't stand because we're Ukrainian and he's Russian, right? So there's again the black and white. I mean, I'm not saying he's a good person. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but she said that um, that he always kind of manipulates the sentence like, I, I don't even remember how it goes in Russian, but it's something like there's multi, it's things are always complex. And of course you can use that in a manipulative way, but I'm not, I'm saying that the truth is very complex and many people see the truth in many different ways. And one of the things that hurts me more than anything right now is that people think that one person's pain necessarily erases the pain of the other person and there's like sides you know there's the Israeli side and the Palestinian side and because something awful 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 happened in Israel it's like a second holocaust it's unfathomable it's disgusting it's it's horrible what happened then now it doesn't matter that people in Gaza are suffering and it doesn't matter that they're dying it doesn't matter because what happened in Israel was awful and 
same, by the way, on the other side, I just hear more the Jewish-Israeli narrative. But same on the other side, I'm sure that a lot of Palestinians say, well, we are suffering, we live in this horrible, in these horrible conditions in the occupation of Gaza for years and years and years. And that means that we don't care what happens in Israel. Like, we just need to get out of this situation. So to me, living with an open heart is the ability to contain in your body that your pain does not erase somebody else's pain and their pain does not erase yours and they can coexist. And I said earlier that I'm very fortunate to have had so many incredible experiences in my life of actually grieving with Palestinians of actually celebrating with Palestinians. And it really felt like a very deep sisterhood and brotherhood, all of those experiences. And honestly, I don't feel at home in Israel. And I've said this many times because I've had very difficult experiences in Israel. Sometimes I feel at home in Israel. Sometimes I feel like these are my people. This is my home, my culture, and I belong there. And sometimes, especially during war, I feel like these people and I have nothing in common and I don't understand them and they hate me right now. And I don't even have anyone to talk to. And I feel really deeply alone. So that makes everything so much more complex for me as a person. Again, I'm, I'm using you guys a little bit as my therapy, so I thank you. And I also think that my life experience can be helpful and interesting and can teach about something. And maybe it's unique, but I don't think that I'm the only one. I don't think I'm the only human being. And I know I'm not because you know what? The only people that I've ever truly felt completely understood by, and that's what I was telling my mom, our fellow facilitators. So for 10 years of my life, I facilitated conflict between Israelis and Palestinians. And there were many other people doing that as well. And it's not just that these people, and, and by the way, we always in every group, we had one Israeli facilitator and one Palestinian facilitator. So I had the honor and privilege of facilitating with two of my best friends. Uh, one is a friend I've been friends with since I was 22 for many, many years. I met her in university. And one is a friend that I actually learned facilitation with for two years. Also met him when I was 22. And then we work together and we are dear friends. He has visited our house many times. I have been to the West Bank with him. He's an incredible human. And these are people that I feel most at home with, not just because I can just talk about my opinions openly and I'm accepted and we don't always agree, but there is openness for everything also because they're very open-hearted, also because they're such unique humans that can hold complexity inside of them. Because as facilitators, what we had to do was sit in a room with like 16 teenagers and listen to awful, awful stories from their families. And it in those moments, it really didn't matter if the story was about an Israeli or a Palestinian. What mattered is the pain the sharing, the tears, the grief, the rage. And 
in the beginning, the kids, we call them our kids, but they're teenagers. They're not really kids, but whatever. The kids could not contain it. You know, they would say, they would hear a story and they would try to rebut it or they would say, but blah, 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 blah. And one of the tools that I'm so proud of teaching them, and by the way, I have lots of criticism for this work and and everything that I've done for those 10 years, but also a lot of good things to say. So again, complexity. One of the things that I'm so proud of teaching them, and I hope to God that it has stayed with them in their hearts, is the ability to hold somebody's pain, even if you have pain too. And that it doesn't matter that you disagree with their politics or you disagree with why the situation's happening. In that moment, you can just sit there and you can just hold them in what they're going through. And you don't have to say, okay, that's horrible, but you don't have to say that. You can just hear them. You can just be present with them. You can just hold them in that pain. And I think that ability is just... I have like goosebumps when I talk about it because it might sound like so simple to just have empathy for another person, but this is not about just empathy. This is about I am holding and I am carrying an entire narrative and history of trauma and heartbreak that I believe your people have caused me, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to just listen and hold you because you are a human and I am a human in this moment. And I really getting a little emotional. I really feel that there's nothing more important than that. I really do. And I'm really, really sad that we have lost this ability. We have lost it right now. We have lost the ability to just listen to someone or to just empathize that there are people in Gaza and that there are people in Israel that, you know, are losing like everything that they have, their families, their belongings, their homes, their whole childhood is being erased and we cannot hold it because we have a different story that really troubles me so deeply about humanity that's kind of all I have to say like it's not that it's easy it's not that I don't struggle and believe me just witnessing the horror which is happening on my side of the fence where I grew up in the south it's so dark and it's so messed up and it really is, I mean, the images that I've seen and the stories, and that's all I did was listen to stories and look at images because that's more important to me than reading like war analysis, you know? And I just really listened and watched stories and attended Zoom funerals. That's all that I did for the past, I don't know how long it's been, a couple weeks now. And um, I, I lost my train of thought. But what I was trying to say is that these, this darkness 
is really hard to grapple with. And I honestly have felt shaken up by it like never before. I feel like in every war that has happened in the last 35 years of my life, I've been able to stay really clear on my position. I've been able to stay really clear on I'm against it. I'm against war. I'm against hurting innocent civilians on both sides. And I already hear the echoes of people saying, of course, we're all against it, but sometimes it's necessary. Anyway, putting that aside, I I just want to share my personal experience and me and put myself on the table. And I know I'm going to be attacked for everything that I'm saying. And I already have been, and it's been really fucking hard. I'm not going to lie, because some of my best friends have been mad at me. Like, my own family hasn't talked to me. It's been really hard. But I, I told my mom that justice, like my sense of justice and integrity with my truth is, is really higher than pleasing someone. And trust me, I am a recovering people pleaser. I always want everyone to like me. But I just can't. I cannot be liked right now by my own family and friends. And what I was going to say is, honestly, my that sense of like, let's not bomb Gaza, let's not hurt innocent civilians, it was shaken up. Because I witnessed these horrors and I'm going to continue to. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to go into my head and just look at political analysis. I look at images. I read about what happened in Israel and I read about what's happening in Gaza. And I continue to do that. And, of course, I have felt shaken up very, very deeply. And, of course, I know it could have happened to me. It could have happened to my family. Members of my family could have been killed and burned in their own houses. And still, I feel very strongly that I am empathetic towards what is happening in Gaza. And it's so awful. And I don't have an opinion about what the Israeli government should do again. I don't. I'm not going to say, like, don't bomb them or yes, bomb them. I just, I don't have an opinion. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a political analyst. It's not my job. And all I can say is that it really hurts me to see what happens in Gaza. It hurts me deeply and it hurts me because I value their lives just as much as I value lives in Israel. And that is what I feel, and I'm always going to feel that, and I feel it very strongly. And I'm really disheartened that we have lost this ability in the world. And I also understand that my friends who have lost people cannot go there right now, and they cannot even look at images from Gaza or care about it. I do understand that, and probably the same for people in Gaza. And I'm very lucky that my family and my friends are relatively safe. My grandma is not safe at all. It's very scary. So I'll say relatively safe. I'm lucky enough that I can sit here and be physically safe and say that I care about everyone affected. And I understand that not everybody is as lucky as me. 
So what I'm saying is when you're in survival mode and when literally people die around you, it's very hard to have an open heart. And I get that. And when you're not, I think that it's so important. And I think it's the biggest gift that we could give this world. It takes immense courage, truly, to say to your friends and family, I don't agree with you. I stand for what I believe in and I'm going to continue, even if they walk away from you. And I don't think that my family will, but I can tell you that a lot of people are not speaking to me right now for a reason. And this happens every time. And I feel very deep loneliness. I really do. I feel deeply lonely because I don't feel that there's anyone that really understands my current experience. And there's even a lot of people saying, like, shut it down. It's not the time. It's not the time for you to share. You know, a lot of people are saying that to me. And part of me was like, they're right. I need to shut it down. And then a big part of me was like, hell no. It's it's never the time to shut it down. It's always okay for us to have multiple experiences. It's always okay for us to see things differently and to experience life differently. And I'm being very sensitive and loving to all of my friends and family. For example, when I talk to my grandma and she's, you know, saying they should all die, I hate them all. I don't start a tirade about how she's wrong. I just listen because that's where she's at and it's not helpful to change it. And at the same time, I'm not going to stop posting about it. And if you don't like it, then leave. Then don't read my posts. It's all good. I get it. I understand. I don't read posts of people that upset me, you know, deeply, like especially right now when things are so heated. Um, it's, it's okay to make those boundaries. It's really okay. And at the same time, I, I just will not allow people to tell me what to do and what to think and what to feel and to shut it down. And I think that it's so cool that as a people pleaser, I'm saying that right now. And somebody asked me on Instagram how to have courage in life. So that's why I titled this episode and like the, the title has the word courage because to me, you guys listening to this and surrounding me and being in my community, you all are so courageous because you are willing to explore how to live with an open heart because you have a big heart and you care and you are willing to open it to the world and you are willing to sit with your emotions and you're willing to put yourself on the table. And that's really important. And I honestly only feel like I'm not lonely when I'm getting messages from you on Instagram. So I really want to thank you so deeply because it's my refuge. And every morning I'm like, I need to write another story and I need to share more. And then I get so many comments, like 99% of the comments that I get are so supportive and loving and um yeah, and, and you get it because you also care deeply 
and it hurts and you're choosing to open your heart. So that's the thing. Like most people in my sphere either care very, very deeply, but they cannot open their heart right now or they just don't care that deeply, you know? So it's like that's where I feel the loneliness because I care very deeply and I open my heart. And I don't have a lot of people in my world right now that are in that space. So I just want to thank you and I want to acknowledge you and I want to tell you that you are very, very special and and please keep working on it. Keep opening your heart. And the reason that I teach trauma healing, the reason that I teach nervous system regulation is all geared towards this. It's geared towards our ability to to open our hearts, you know, because the more regulated you are, the more tools you have to process your emotions, the more you're able to open your heart. That is the point of everything I do. And that's why I created Heart Space, which is my monthly membership community, because I want to gather all of us people with huge hearts and really create a space where we have the tools to process the big emotions so that we, we can keep opening our hearts because otherwise it's nearly impossible. If you don't have the tools and you have all this rage, all this grief, all this disgust, all this fear, it's very, very hard to be in a space of compassion. You're going to be in a space of the rage and the fear and the grief, and you're never going to get to the space of compassion. You get to that space of compassion when you know what to do with these emotions. And that's why I created the Lionheart Movement. Lionheart, to me, really represents a big ass heart that is also very fierce like it loves very deeply and it stands up for its truth very deeply so i'm really really excited about this i'm really excited about this movement i'm really excited to welcome you to it and check out the link in the description of the episode to join us it's going to be open until the end of october Let's gather in this community. It's only $33 a month, or you also get two months free when you join for a year. And it's just such a beautiful space already. So I'm really excited to gather with you. I love you so much. See you in heart space. See you on Instagram. Thank you for your love and support. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to this episode. If you liked it, please make sure to leave me a review so that more beautiful humans can get to this podcast and subscribe to the show. And please do share it with a friend who would benefit. And I always love to hear from all of you on Instagram. So visit me there at marina.y.t. I share really awesome content and would love to hear your comments about the episodes. Until next time, I love you so much and I appreciate you. Have the most beautiful day.